0: Let's do this,
1: Dave. Can't wait. All right. Awesome. With Kevin on the line, let me go ahead and welcome everyone. Uh, We are expecting a full house today. We actually had to make additional room. So uh, thanks for that. And thanks for joining uh, Kevin and myself for putting 2020 behind you. I think we can all agree we want to do that and also generating more leads and sales in 2021. Again, something we all want to do. My name is Dave Jeffries, and I've been the senior managing partner for the WPM group. Uh, advertising agency for the past 21 years, the last seven of which, almost seven, I have worked almost exclusively for SecureTech Screening as their fractional chief marketing officer. I specialize in corporate messaging, brand positioning, and lead generation. Kevin, as you know, is one of the uh, top consultative operations experts uh, for CRAs in our field, And today together we want to bring some real world actionable ideas to you that will stimulate your thoughts and help you in your planning and your positioning as we all ramp up for 2021. With that said, let me go through the obligatory housekeeping items, get those out of the way. We are indeed recording today's session and it and a downloadable PDF of the presentation deck will be available for all attendees. Everyone who's on the call is on mute during the presentation, but please, if you have a comment or question, don't wait until the end. Uh, Just use the chat function in your control panel and go ahead and submit it. Uh, We will be on for the full hour. Uh, Truthfully, as Kevin and I prepared for this presentation, we realized we could talk for well over an hour on several of the topics we're gonna go over today. So we'll try to be respectful and keep it to just an hour. However, we will stay on for as long as people may need um, considering. Uh, we will see to, seek to answer as many questions and address as many comments as possible during our time, and those we can't get to today will certainly be happy to follow up with uh, either via phone call or an email. So with that, I will happily turn things over to Kevin.
0: Well, good afternoon, uh, good evening, I guess, or good morning, everyone, depending where you're calling in from today, whether you're, you're stateside or on the West Coast, or, or if you're, you're joining us today from Europe or Asia. You know, here's a, here's a thought today I, I want you to consider, because this, this really is a judgment-free zone for all of us here. You're not marketers and it's not your fault. You know, Dave and I we put together a lot of webinars over the years, and this is one of them that we're we're most excited about and it's it's reflective in the makeup of our audience here today. today it's a it's a really diverse mix of business owners, company executives, and, and marketers with, within our space. I, I always like to say that our, our content for the webinars that we create, we do it in large part specifically for the audience that's joining us, you know, which means, we, we wind up doing most of the work in the, in the, the final 72, 96 hours um, as, as we see all the attendees come in, because we really try and tailor what we're talking about specifically to your businesses and, and the roles that, that you play. So if you, know, if, you, if you heard me speak before, and about, about 70% of you watching here today have, I, I won't spend too much time on my bio, but a, a few quick points for, for those of you who, who haven't. I've worked in our space for about 20 years. I worked inside of a CRA for about 15 of them before helping lead a successful exit through an acquisition. I Now I serve as a friend to all. I, I really enjoy helping each business in our industry or at least each business in our industry that wants me uh, achieve what I think are really the three fundamental objectives that we all share as screeners. One, how do we become more compliant? Two, how do we make our clients happier? And number three, how do we all make more money? And and that's the part we're focusing on today, specifically how our marketing efforts, how our sales efforts can spur that top line growth to replace what we've all lost a bit of since March. I I also work with employers to create and and partner uh, to create programs with CRAs to best fit their needs. And it gives me a really good understanding of end user preferences, which then obviously gets to flow back to the guidance I can give CRAs, on how to best run their business. And, and I always say my, my point in sharing this, I always feel really fortunate to see that 360 degree view of our industry and each stakeholder. It's that perspective that, that really lets me address these topics from a couple different vantage points. I, and as we head into 2020, tremendous optimism for each and every one of us to reconfigure our businesses, if it's struggling, to enhance it, if it's, if it's kind of plodding along, or to propel it if it's if it's really succeeding. You know, Dave and I want to help each of you become the best version of yourselves today. And, and that's why we're excited to share some of these ideas with you guys. And, and lastly, if you're having trouble sleeping at night, I urge you to download and subscribe to my podcast, which I've created to teach others the, the best way to create and operate a profitable CRA. So now I'd, I'd like to introduce my, my co-presenter today, Dave Jeffries. Dave is, is typically the the wizard behind the scenes on these webinars who puts them together. But today we wanted to throw back the curtain and, and put him front and center. Um, those of you who may know me personally, my wife runs a, a marketing communications agency. So I'm around marketers all the time. And I gotta tell you, Dave's at the absolute top of the list when it comes to our space. And, and it's an important gap that he fills, right? A lot of marketers are great at marketing, but don't really know our industry. A lot of people are great at our business, but don't know much about marketing. Dave kind of sits in the middle of that Venn diagram. A great marketer who who knows our industry inside and out. So, Dave's the one who is the real star of the show here today. Today, so Dave,
1: welcome to the webinar. Well, thanks for the kind words, Kevin. And I'm glad nobody can see me right now because I'm actually blushing. Uh, I am, uh, to be perfectly candid, everyone, I am usually more comfortable behind the scenes. I am not the front and center guy. Um, my job is to help clients make money. I mean, that's the, that's what it comes down to is to be successful, to achieve their dreams. I'm not going to go into all of my history. You can see it on the, on the page there. I've worked with fortune 100s. I've worked with small mom and pops. Um, I get as much joy and pleasure and satisfaction about working with a small company as I do a large, probably more. Uh, because there's a whole lot more upside and you can really get to know people very well. Um, I developed a fractional CMO model with our agency early on because it really allowed us to get side by side, shoulder to shoulder with our clients. Uh, We weren't operating as a a bolt-on or a pinch hit solution. We really wanted to understand their culture, their desires, their dreams, what had worked for them in the past, what hadn't, and not uh, just be a jack of all trades, master of none. So when Chad Lafon, who many of you know, he and I have been friends for, I don't know, somewhere around 10 to 15 years at this point, uh, he contacted me and said, I need somebody to come in and help me turn things around at SecureTech." I was happy to, uh, happy to roll up my sleeves and get started. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. And with uh, that brief roll call and bio uh, completed, I'm gonna turn it back over to Kevin for today's agenda
0: and yeah and as, as we dive into what we're going to cover today guys you know thanks to each and every one of you for for joining us you know I'm, I'm always very cognizant of we're busy we got a lot of things to do how you choose to spend your time is indicative of what you value you know today's a big webinar day we got a taz webinar today there's a pbs day webinar today you joined us so again thank you for that guys all right what are we going to tackle you know common mistakes what, what did dave and i see everyone doing um, and, and what's right about that? What's wrong about that? If everyone's kind of, you know, doing doing the same things. Um, what did Dave and I see, you know, people not doing? Uh, how can you capitalize on that? Uh, some industry predictions. I, I wrote an article that's going to appear in the next PBSA journal. We'll do a sneak peek of that. Where do we kind of see the landscape going um, as, as we start to turn the calendar? Metrics. What do we look at? What what don't we? What do your outside agency partners or your internal marketing teams talk about and, and recommend driving toward? Um, and then from our vantage point, you know, how do we cut through all that? How do we pull out the metrics that really matter? Sales relationships, um, management to sales, marketing to sales. What do what those communications look like inside of a building? How those teams view each other says a lot about whether you're going to accomplish your goals. Why? How? Stick around. That's what we're going to talk about. All right. So, you know, as we head into 2021, I mean, it's just a weird, this is just a weird year and weird is probably the best thing we can say about 2020, right? You know, we're, we're working from home. We got kids running around. We're homeschooling. I'm, I'm talking to you guys and, and I'm wearing a reelected Goldie Wilson for mayor t-shirt and, uh, ping me if you get that reference. I, I, uh, you know, we'll do a free half hour consulting session if you, if you know what that is. this, um. But you know, as 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 we as we turn the calendar, right, owners are really recognizing business just isn't gonna bounce back to what it was six, eight months ago. I'm I'm a I'm a firm believer that as we as we hit the new year, you know, owners won't, nor should they, duck their tail between their legs and, and just limp into the new year with business down 26% from a year ago. They're gonna fight back and they're gonna fight hard. You know, it doesn't it doesn't mean revenue returns because that organic five to ten percent growth that we saw out of most of our clients the last couple of years returns? That's not how we get back from minus 26%. So clawing back means clawing clients away from you. How do we look inside of our organization and look through our sales and marketing efforts to build a moat of protection around our current client base? How do we use our sales and marketing to position us to kind of play offense a little bit to go out and rebuild ourselves. I I really think 2021, it's going to be a year of a lot of web demos, pricing proposals, test searches by our clients with competitors in a way we haven't seen in past years. A lot more of our clients are going to take a trip around the dance floor with competitors than normal. And, And again, to combat that on our end, both to protect and go get the marketing efforts of things we're talking about right now, this plant. This is the fertilizer. This is what what lays the groundwork for future new client sales. So, but before we kind of dive into what works, let's let's look at some common marketing mistakes from from Dave's point of view. Now, Dave, as we look at this, there's a couple of contradictions here, right? You know, where do your eyes take you as as you look at this list?
1: Well, I mean, in in, in all honesty, every one of them that you have on the list here, Kevin, resonates, Um, but only because there's so many different businesses being affected by completely different circumstances. Um, And there are literally as many different uh, approaches to marketing as there are uh, variables that affect our business. So what may be spending too much money uh, for one business uh, but it's being allocated incorrectly um, is just as bad as not spending enough money, or spending money on the wrong things. Uh, to my way of thinking, that's the big one: um, is spending money on the wrong things. Because whether you're spending too much, not enough, whether you're trying to outshout the other guy, as 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 you like to say, um, whoever has the biggest megaphone, uh, which I've heard you say in several of our webinars in the past, or the lack of intentionality. It all really. The genesis is spending money on the wrong things, focusing on the wrong things and not necessarily uh, having the right approach. Um, and that will that will really bring about uh, the other issues that you have on the list here. And it'll make you feel like you're not spending enough or you are spending too much, but you don't know whether, if it's uh, this is just like that. I have to go back to one of the things that I told you when we started off early on, Kevin, and I had a client come in and it's almost a running joke in the ad world. And that is you have a client come to you and tell you that, well, I know 50% of my ad spend is working. I just don't know which 50%. And that's really what it came down to. And now the internet has fixed some of that. Uh, Digital marketing has fixed some, but as you'll see, as we go forward, uh, there's there's a lot more to it. But I would say really the genesis of it, Kevin, is number three. They're spending money or having your focus on the wrong things.
0: Dave, do you, do you feel like when you see that or when you hear that feedback, you know, it's that fork in the road moment for an organization. Do you think they say to themselves, hey, like, I don't know, I might be spending money on the wrong things. So they tend to retreat back into their shell, or do they kind of double down and um, do more across a couple different initiatives?
1: People will generally start by doubling down, but they only have to get kicked uh, enough times in the wallet without seeing results before they eventually and ultimately will retreat back into their shell and say it's just it's just not worth it. That's been my experience.
0: Yeah, that's 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 a great point. Um, and and you know I know later on in a couple of slides you know we are using some real life examples. Um, hey, this didn't work, or hey, this kind of really really did work. So. Um, that, that was an interesting perspective, you know, lack, lack of intentionality as we look at these, you know, that's a big one for me. And, and I look on LinkedIn, um, holiday wishes. I, I and <laughs> if you heard me a couple times, <laughs> you, you know how I feel about this. Uh, and I, I know some of you are going to wish me a happy Thanksgiving next week and tell me that you're closed on Friday. Um, now maybe fewer of you that are listening here, because if you've heard me speak more than once, you've heard me say this just about every time I open my mouth. So I don't think a lot of us here are going to do it but I'm a gambling man and I I bet I'm gonna see next week 50 different shops wish me a happy Thanksgiving um, I'm seeing recipes on LinkedIn for pumpkin pie cute pictures and it, you know it's nice like we we want to humanize ourselves right and our organizations but you know it's nothing that helps me solve my problem which is what viewers and, and, and our connections are kind of really inter, uh, really interested in um, and, and the size of the megaphone you, you mentioned that a minute ago Dave. You know, if you're trying to say the same thing at the same time as the largest shops in our space, you might as well keep your mouth shut or, or save the money you otherwise you would otherwise spend by saying it. That, that was kind of the genesis of my question. You know, do I just try and say it louder, Dave, or do I, you know, not say it at all? Um, now, I'm not the target audience, of course, for a lot of this, but I, I see the messaging, and I'm always amazed at the, the uniformity of it, which is something we'll discuss in more depth later. How do we pull away from kind of saying the same thing as everybody else? Um, okay, let's let's pivot to part two. We have a couple more to run through. Which ones, Dave, jump out to you as the most prevalent?
1: Well, just like there was one in the last list, there is one in the fir- in this list, and that is the first one. Uh, the biggest common marketing mistake when I have gone into uh, an agent or a company uh, as an agency representative and uh, been asked to perform uh, a SWOT analysis and also an internal operations analysis as to their marketing efforts. Invariably, and I do mean almost 100%, stems from the marketing department not speaking or meeting with the sales department. And there's a rub uh, between those two, and we'll get into that uh, a little bit more uh, later. But in sales, I'll just touch on it real quickly now. Sales, if you're a salesperson, you've got to have an ego. You just do. There's no other way about it. You have to believe in the solution that you're providing. You have to believe that when you walk into that office for that prospect or that customer that you already have, and you're trying to uh, sell another solution, uh, solve another problem, that you're the best person for that job. Your solution is the best possible. And from a marketing perspective, there are also egos involved, but it's a different type of ego. Marketers are creatives. They are t- they are in love with their art. And I'm not speaking about all of them, but most of them are really in love with their art. They love what they do. And I have had many a conversation with marketers where they don't like deadlines. They don't like to be, they, they believe that nece- their, their art has to grow organically. Now, and. And I've had several hard conversations with with creative folks, creative directors, when I've had to say, hey, this art that you're creating is not going to hang in the Louvre. It's not going to be at MoMA. It's designed to drive sales, it's designed to create business. And they don't like it. So ultimately, everything on that list, and I'll just get back on track here everything on that list, if marketing will listen to sales, if they will take their cues in collateral development, in providing and focusing on the right solutions and listening to what the client facing team is encountering out there when they're hearing about competitors, these types of things all go into creating collaterals that are gonna serve that sales team well and are going to wind up helping them win more business ultimately. So that's my long answer for you, Kevin.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, from my vantage point, and by the way, Dave, I, I switched my headphones. So let me know if, uh, if my audio <laughs> okay. still sounds good for you. Um, uh, you know, from, from my vantage point, there's, there's a couple things that I see here all the time, you know, back to my LinkedIn reference, um, w- LinkedIn's tough and, and I, it, it's tough for me personally. So I'm sure for you guys um, it can be a challenge. Why? Every day we log on, every company we see in our space, it's like, you know, it's like Instagram. Like they are the best version of themselves. They are going through the roof. Their business is booming. They are crushing you. And ha ha, if you're you're not experiencing that same kind of success, you know, like jokes on you, there's there's something wrong with you in your backyard. And of course, truth is something in the middle. You know, we're never going to see a company acknowledge that they're struggling. Not enough sales, not enough leads, not enough profit. Key client that is left. I'm going to promise everybody here today, that everybody's struggling with that stuff. And it doesn't mean that there aren't companies who aren't winning. Yeah, there's companies who are winning, but they lost the key client. They're struggling with sales. They don't have enough leads. They're looking to increase their profits. And, and my point is, in, in referencing this, as, as we looked at LinkedIn messaging or email campaigns or white papers, collateral that people are putting out is, you know, We'll then look at that and then look internally, compare it to what we're doing. Oh, man, that looks like that's a winning strategy. Let's go do that. Here's a winning strategy over here. And, and then we log on to LinkedIn the next day and we see five more shops doing it. And we're just lurching. You know, we're always, we're, we're, we have this sense of self-doubt. So a lot of times it's just chart a course, sail in the direction you want to sail tactically make sure that you're doing everything you possibly can as well as you can to support that objective when we're turning left and right and left and right and left and right boy we're traveling for sure but we're not going anywhere so sometimes straight line that's that's the better way to that's that's the better pivot measuring the wrong things and as we head into the next slide um, this is something i know dave's really really passionate about I am from a, from an operational support supportive financial side told someone the other day, I counted, I think I have a hundred to 115 metrics that I'll use inside of the CRA businesses across ops, finance, sales, compliance, production. doesn't mean 115 metrics for 115 different people, but owners need these six, six numbers. Department heads need these 10 numbers, uh, line level employees need this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and in the marketing space, it's, it, it's kind of no different. You know, like we have, we have all this stuff here. Dave, like what, what should we look at here? What, what do you think?
1: That's, uh, that's an excellent question. And people in the advertising and marketing space have been trying to figure this out for a long time. And uh, like you mentioned in the past slide, Kevin, um, lurching from new technology to new technology, new platform, new approach to new approach. And so I'll have to say about this: is, wow. I, I really dislike this slide, uh, only because I've seen <laughs> I've seen people get so caught up in what have proven to be the wrong things—a focus really that's been detoured away from what really matters. Um, let me give you just a quick, quick. Uh, Kevin knows I'll I'll, dr- I'll drive down a road, uh, the wrong road, sometimes in a heartbeat. But let me just give you a little backstory here. Um, my agency started off, we were a Madison Avenue style of agency, uh, one of those born of the best practices that built brands like Coke, GE, Boeing, IBM, etc. I'm dating myself. I'm, I'm, I'm not a 25-year-old. Uh, and then we learned about digital marketing as it came along in the, uh, in the early aughts. Uh, with the foref- we were at the forefront with Facebook, Twitter, etc. And I tell you this not to impress you, but to impress upon you that we've had a foot in each camp. And have seen both good and bad. And from the very beginning, we told clients, you know, be wary of heading too quickly down the dopamine inducing path of likes, follows, retweets, et cetera. And unfortunately, in most cases, we were proven proven right. And I never had a client come back and say about any of these clicks, likes, views, loves, impressions, you know, that platform is the best investment I ever made. I never had one come back and say that to me about social media or any of the other online platforms. But let me be clear, it can be a valuable brand building space, but it's only one part of an overall media med, uh, mix or media strategy. Think of it as one spoke in a wheel. Uh, it can be very important, build your brand equity, um, but from a real driving sales standpoint, I challenge most people out there to say, yeah, this is exactly where it came from. It came from a tweet that I put out two weeks ago, or it came from a Facebook post, or it came from uh, a YouTube video. Um, Again, those can be great for raising awareness of your brand, but ultimately, um, it it, it hasn't proven as of yet, now tomorrow's a new day, to be the, uh, the better mousetrap that most people thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah, so Dave, as as we look through these, right? And like I said at the beginning, it's nobody's fault. This is a judgment-free zone. 95% of the people here are are not marketers, right? So as we look through this and we try and use our marketing budget to create the most effective program, get the most bang for their buck. You know, we've talked before. I know a lot of these metrics you, you don't necessarily like or you feel resonate. What are the metrics that you care about that you think that everyone listening here should follow?
1: There's only one. There's only one metric that matters in everything. You can, like I said, the, the, the clicks, likes, views, loves, impressions, reaches, that, that's all great. Uh, all dopamine inducing, you can sit there and say, wow, I got a thousand people that like that. I had 500 people that retweeted that and, and it makes you feel good. It really does, but it's not it, it, it's not what matters. Uh, none of them, Kevin, matter. That's, that, that's the truth of it. They may, they may be, uh, a harbinger, they may foretell of potential downstream revenue, but maybe not too.
0: So, so which one does?
1: This one. That's it, and that's why my clients have. Well, that's simple. Have loved me. We don't go like home the now. The only <laughs> way I measure whether or not our efforts are worthwhile: Am I making your cash register ring? Am I swallowing your bottom line? And that's what that that you know. Chad knew that I was a business guy when he brought me into SecureTech. He knew that I ran a business and he knew that was important to me. And he knew that as I came in, when I built the collaterals, when I started the initiatives, that I had one thing in the forefront of my mind. Let's make more money. This isn't designed as, you know, we're, 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 we're not a non-for-profit. We're here to actually make money. So everything that we do, every action that we take has to be deliberate in service to the overall metric that we are trying to move, trying to move the needle on sales.
0: Well, you got a couple of cool stories I know from, from your history and stuff that you've also done in the industry, I, I can't wait to talk about those. Um, but but it seems like, you know, if, if we start thinking about the next slide, um, you know, there's some, there's some analog solutions here. There's some, you know, low, low cost, you know, um, um, well, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you kind of explain the concept here.
1: I'm okay. so excited
0: to get to the stories, Dave. I forgot about this one.
1: Yeah, no, no worry. <laughs> well, it is as it says on the screen, screen, sales funds marketing. Marketing drives sales, okay? They're both important. But what needs to be realized is that the sales is paramount. And again, I'm going to go back to the rub. Salespeople have egos. They have to believe they're the best solution for the client and prospect. Marketing staff, they're more emotional. They're more focused on their art, their creation. Yes, there are these egos there. But, you know, we have to be able to bring them together. And we have to put them in the same room. And we have to be able to say, check the egos at the door. Work in service of the overall greater good. Because here's what here's what I have to tell my creatives. Without sales, you don't have a job. In this world, wheels don't roll, lights don't come on, pumps don't pump, trucks don't roll without an order first being taken. Period. A sale has to be made.
0: That's a, that's a really cool concept.
1: And if a sale is not made, then whether or not somebody's creating wonderful, beautiful collaterals, it really doesn't matter. So, what I've had to tell both groups is you're both important, but sales when it comes to overall importance is at least a 60-40 winner, maybe a 70-30. For the simple truth is, again, nothing happens until that sales made. And I love marketing. I'm in it. I'm in the space. I, I built a company and a career out of it. So obviously, I love it. I love the people I work with. I love creative folks. I just try to bring them a little bit more closer to the business side of things and focus on the fact that, you know, if you want to paint and you want to hang up something beautiful and do it just for the art of it, that's a great pursuit. Uh, Do that somewhere else. But if you're going to be in a marketing or advertising agency or an in-house position, recognize, just recognize that what you're developing. While you may have corporate standards, you may have style guides you have to conform to, really what you're doing is you're helping everybody in the organization move forward by helping drive sales.
0: And, and I think that's a great takeaway, um, Dave, because you know, you, like you said, you're a marketer, but you're picking a side and your side is, hey, it's, it, you know, I kind of exist to support that team. You know, marketing isn't a means to an end uh, you know, in and of itself. There's there's a broader organizational goal here, and I think I think that recognition, like you said, from from the from the standpoint of of the business, really lends a lot of credibility as organizations take what we're talking about here, trying to implement it inside of your team. Right. Um, so uh, I I mentioned a couple minutes ago. I skipped ahead, but um, you know, if we as we pivot to the next slide, we we can start to think of um, in a, in a little more depth. You know, those relationships that we talked about. Which, which of these? Do you tend to see more often? <laughs> well, I think we all know the off? answer to that. Um, it makes me but, sad. I, I, I think I know what you're going to say.
1: Yeah, the, the, the two outside ones uh, are the, I should say the, the adversarial and the dismissive um, uh, numbers one and four. Uh, that's that. That's what we see, which is which is a shame. Uh, for you know, when they're brought together, there's really magic to be made for the organization. Um, you know, bringing. Uh, but bringing them together is like working out, building muscle. Uh, you know, you have to start out light. Uh, it's a relationship that needs to be cultivated and built, but ultimately, again, um, like working out over time, the results will show and the organization will grow in strength and, and, and purpose. That's what, it, that, that's what it really comes down to. Um, but right now, yeah, adversarial and dismissive is uh, unfortunately uh, the, the recipe that I see in most organizations.
0: Well, and, and, and that stinks, and it stinks for a couple of reasons, right? Because, you know, for the half hour that we've been on so far, and again, for everyone here, you know, we're moving fast because there's a lot of great stuff we want to talk about. But, you know, what, what kind of stinks is, is I hear Dave describe that. You know, everything up until this point has been, how do, we, how do we increase? How do we grow? How do we do it better? How do we capture what's out there? But when Dave recognizes that adversarial, uh, dismissive, um, disrespect, well, now that's costing us money because not only are we not capitalizing, like we're spending all this money, whether it's salaries, whether it's base, whether it's marketing collateral um, initiatives that don't get off the ground. Now we're losing money, going backwards. So, you know, this is this to me, Dave, I mean, you know, this is kindergarten stuff. My like my 7 year old gets along with his classmates better than sometimes sales and marketing teams do. And that's just unfortunate.
1: Yeah, we, 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 we lose a lot of those early lessons. Uh, that that we've been taught, and uh, I I will say this, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself. But while we're talking about it, if anybody out there is saying, okay, well, how frequently do I bring these two together? You know, my sales team and my marketing team. Uh, I would say no more than once a month uh, to start with, and that is because you want your sales team to have had experiences, see market trends, uh, have feedback from clients. Uh, enough that they, they re- there's really some meat there to share with the marketing team and the marketing team in turn can really sink their teeth into things. And and if you do it any more frequently than that, then it almost becomes drudgery. It becomes one more obligatory item on a, uh, a calendar, an outlook calendar. So I would say start out at, at once a month, uh, maybe once every six, uh, maybe, maybe more every month and a half month, four to six weeks, and then see how that's going and, and adjust from there. But that's, uh, th- that's probably as much as those two groups will be able to stand at first. That would be my, uh, my, my, my professional assessment.
0: That's a, that's, that's great feedback. Um, let's, let's take a look at the next slide. This is one that I'm, I'm really, really excited about. Um, cause we're going to throw some, some real life examples.
1: Yeah, um, this is the one that I really like. And uh, I'll I'll try to be quick and not drive into the weeds. Um, I heard, uh, you heard Kevin mention briefly early on about owning a problem. And this is a concept that was, uh, gosh, many years ago, more than I care to remember. uh, I had heard, but it, it can't be overstated. Every year I'm in the marketing advertising business is a lesson in psychology. And every year, the concept of owning a problem becomes more and more important. And let me let me put it to you this way. People do business with you, not because you're a great person, you may be, okay? Or because you have every screening service available. They do business with you because you solve their problem, period, end of story. Now, a good example, That I heard that you is it it, it just it was an aha moment for me. Someone said, you know, you can make the best pot roast ever, but if your prospects don't have the problem of hunger, you're not going to sell any of them. And that just that, that hit me. You know, I have to solve a problem for somebody. So here's where marketing comes in. First, write down all the problems your end users tell you about your clients. Okay, and own one of them, just one. Okay, center your marketing, your messaging, your collaterals, website, et cetera, around that one. Now, those folks who are already your customers, they can grasp multiple solutions you offer, but for the prospect pool, the folks whose limited attention you're trying to get, lead with just one. The one that you know is really big for them. The biggest, most prevalent problem that your existing customers have and that you're solving for right now. Now, just for an example, when in my time with Securitech, one of the biggest issues that we encountered was verified court records and the time that it took and how people hated the drudgery involved with it. And we said, hey, we can solve that. Let us do that for you. We've got the staff, we've got the expertise. And month after month, quarter after quarter, that business grew. So we went out there and we took that one problem and put it front and center. And then we, we integrated some others, but that's, that's one we really led with in recent years. So when I say leading with a problem, okay, so now you've got your problem, You figured out what it is you solve better than anybody. Okay, you have an area of expertise. You've got it. So what do you do with it now? Okay, you lead with it. So what do I mean by that? I'll give you a quick example. Let's say you're in a social setting, a business networking event or something like that. And you and another person you recognize as another uh, background screener are in the same conversational circle. Someone approaches and asks the other screener, uh, what do you do? Most common answer is probably going to be something like, I guess, uh, I'm in the background screening business, uh, pre employment checks, drug testing, continuous monitoring, et cetera, things like that. Then this person, being polite, makes small talk with the other screener. How'd you get into the business? What are the trends? How's business for you these days in the age of COVID? And then, you know, after a little small talk, they'll move on. Probably an opportunity missed, maybe an opportunity missed, but we'll never know. The person then comes to you and ask you what you do. Now, keep in mind you do the same things, but you say, you know how in today's world that increased workplace risk is everywhere, how employers are always confronted with these risks, both from financial and work culture perspective uh, when they have a new hire? Well, I help to solve these problems by providing comprehensive historical background intelligence that helps mitigate these risks, allowing employers to have confidence not only in their overall hiring process, but the but the prospect for smooth talent integration and how the new employee will ultimately add to their increased productivity. Now right, that's, you know, that's wordy, but you get the idea.
0: Well, I like I like that approach, Dave, because you know, first one you just said, hey, these are the products that I sell. I sell employment verifications, I sell continuous monitoring, I sell federal court record checks, right? The 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 example you just described, you asked a couple of questions. It, it's more of an engaging conversation. Somebody's going to answer in the, in the affirmative. They're going to listen, and then you kind of boom. You know, uh, you you lay out what well, you just laid out. I, I like something like instead of, oh, I do employment screening. It's you know, and I try and put everything into a ten-word answer. It's I help companies hire the right people safely and quickly. Yeah, that's that's ten words, right? Um, it's more descriptive of the problem that you help people solve. Right. Um, you had a you had a law firm client, you know, in yeah. in, uh, in in your outside of screening world.
1: Yeah, outside of the screening world. But this is a this is a prime example. We had a small firm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they were being squeezed out by those people that you say Kevin had the uh, the, the bigger megaphone. And whether it was Google AdWords or whether it was native search. They were page four, five, six, and they were an accident and injury attorney. So they did everything that everybody else does. They did uh, slip and fall, car accident, motorcycle accident, dog bite, OSHA violation, whole nine yards. And they called us and tasked us with increasing their revenues. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll take a look at it. And uh, at that time, we had a, a satellite office up in the Wisconsin uh, up in the Wisconsin Madison Madison area. And so we started looking at it and we did some research and we found out that I 94 going through Milwaukee had literally averaged a car wreck every day. And we asked them how many how, how many of the car wrecks that you've had uh, cases have uh, have come through I, on I90 on I94 and they said, uh, well, we, we've had two. In the past several years. Well, at the same time, we asked them internally, "Please go back and tell us, figure out with regards to your awards that you've you've gotten for your clients, and what you've made the most on. What what type of what type of uh, accident is most lucrative?" And they said, "Car accidents." So we put those two together, and we positioned them, and they did their homework as the I-94 car accident specialists. Now, they still did everything they always do, but all of a sudden, by refining their market position and their message, they were number one on Google for auto accidents. I-94 just happened to be an ancillary tag. And they were number one on both native and pay-per-click search and in the next six months, their revenue increased over 40%. So that was a huge win for them with a very easy and obvious market shift in their in their messaging.
0: You know, what, what I liked about, about that example, Dave, is, is we're talking about, and, and if we translate, pull that back into screeners, and tie it into that own a problem concept. You know, We're saying, how do you sell more? How do you get more leads? So let's, let's use that example, how do you get more leads? I'm gonna take the one problem that I have determined by talking to my clients, talking to my prospects, et cetera. I am picking one thing. I'm gearing my collateral, my SEO, my digital, all of my initiatives around solving the problem. So that when you're talking to a client and you get past the, how did I find you on the computer? And now they're talking to you and they line you up against four other people, it's not, I sell the same prices, the same products at the same prices, and yes, I promise great client support, and yes, I promise compliance. Because if you're sitting at the table and you look just like those other four people, and your pricing's the same, you're more apt to lose out to those who are gonna have snazzier marketing collateral materials than you, and you're probably gonna lose out to the shop that has a more high powered or a smoother talking salesperson. You know, some of the things Dave's talking about is, pick the problem that they're solving. They're not looking for employment verifications at 895 or 875 or 825. They're looking for somebody that's going to help them hire better, faster, cheaper, safer. And so we're focusing on the solution that we're providing not the things that we're doing for them.
1: Correct, correct.
0: You know, anyway. and that, that lends into the curse of sameness, right? You know, yes, we're exactly. all doing the same thing. You know, conversation you had years ago, with John Mack.
1: Yeah. Um... I, was, I, I had the, the opportunity one night, I was at a restaurant and uh, my, my, my friend owned it and it was right near Duke University and there were two men in the corner and one was Mike Dunleavy and one was John Mack. I didn't know either one of them. Mike Dunleavy at the time was the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers and John Mack was uh, chairman and CEO of Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. I was introduced by my friend to these men who at the time were really really engaged in talking about wwe and uh i couldn't believe that these two men were talking about wrestling but it it amused me and ultimately john mack we did get around to finance and he said you know dave it's all about marketing because we all in the financial world we all get our money from the same federal reserve from the same federal reserve banks we make the same margins, we, get approximate, we, we have approximately the same yields. So it's really about marketing and advertising. Now, when, when Chad brought me into SecureTech, all of a sudden the parallels were obvious. We all get our court records from the same courthouse repositories. We all have similar pricing. So it really does come down to be a positioning matter. And I just couldn't help but draw that comparison. And when I was telling Kevin about it, I said it was it was natural for me, uh, because at that point in time we, we I was doing some I was doing some work in the in the financial world, doing some marketing in the financial world. So that's why John I, I needed to ask this uh, titan of finance, John Mack, uh, how he was positioning things. And then when I came to SecureTech, it was it was a no brainer. And we got together and we started talking about oh gosh. There's CDAS, Court Data as a Service. And I'm sure some of you have seen it out there, where we have this umbrella, but we have these different solutions that we provide. It started off with Synaptic, our court, our, our, our automated court data, and then it moved into, um, you know, monitoring and pointer data and things of that nature. But it's all about positioning so that people can find the problem that you solve. And like I say, you start out with one. You know, we started off with Synaptic. We started off with the automated core data. We wanted to make sure that we had as more, uh, more automated jurisdictions than anybody. And we wanted to make sure it was cleaner and that was easy to integrate, that we could put custom filters on it and we could do all the things that were necessary. We were solving problems left and right. And then that led to more.
0: Dave, let's let's do barking dog real quick. And, and my point for everybody listening is because we're mixing in some screening stories and some non-screening stories. Yeah, yeah. But as Dave and I you know, would, would, would just talk over the years, I'd say, hey, these are really good things for this audience to hear. Because even though it's a non-screening example, it just shows how you think of it the right way and you spend money in the right place, not spend more money, not spend less, but just spend it in the right place. Just the returns and the benefits, the leads you can generate, the sales you can close are, are
1: really astronomical. So let's do Barking Dog real fast. Okay, real fast. Um, Barking Dog, uh, I B- Reader's Digest version. Again, I'm dating myself. Barking Dog, I backed into a lead generation formula for this company. Now, it is a small two-person business. And they create these signs that you've seen on walking trails. If any of you have been on a greenway or a state park or a national park, you'll see these cantilevered signs, usually rectangle, have a plastic sheet over an informational page that shows the flora and fauna you may see out in the park or on the walking trail or rules for the park, or et cetera. Well, they had a new product that they thought was going to be great. I won't go into all the details of it, but it had a minimum sales price of $5,000. And they said, we need to av- we 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 want to do this. We're one of the few people that can really solve this problem for parks, libraries, et cetera, with these signs that we're putting out. And I said, okay, let's let, let, let's look at that. And we put together a program that involved AdWords, it involved video, involved automation, and it also involved um, the ability to archive inbound leads so that those that didn't purchase immediately were automatically kicked into a list for additional future downstream marketing. So the net net of all that is the first year we implemented it, they were averaging two to three inbound leads a month. Okay, the second year, they were between four and six. And in tw- just to skip ahead, in 2019 and 2020, even in COVID, okay, when, we, when and the bottom dropped out in March and April, they were at a point with this lead generation, they were actually still generating one inbound lead every business day on average for those months. And with, at a minimum sales price of $5,000 and some of their solutions in the $20,000, $30,000 range. That was a that was a ton. It really um, to give you an idea. The second year in um, the first two years, they had a top line revenue of just over five hundred and sixty thousand uh, dollars for the two of them.
0: What their program cost them? What their marketing program cost? By the way,
1: the first two years in uh, in operation, it was just a little over. I looked at that number not too long ago, Kevin. It was about thirty six thousand dollars. <laughs>
0: Pretty good ROI, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sign, it was, sign me up. Sign and that up. was that was with the again that was with the um, you know the four to six inbounds uh, per month on average.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, so it's it, it's indicative as as we kind of think of some of Dave's solutions is uh, you know and I, I I struggle with this right. There's no shortage of ways to spend money. There's no shortage of solutions to try. But doing the right ones, thinking of it the right thing, finding the right program to own, using the right technology. Uh, the right lead generation campaign it can generate leads and return some real real nice numbers um let's let's uh, let's move on to some of the reasons you know we're, we're so passionate about this so you, you know if, if you've heard me speak before i i think there's a bunch of different ways to build an empire right it doesn't have to be all sales marketing all the time hiring all the headhunters you, you know the 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 uh, the big game hunters in your system, throwing a ton of cash at them. You can make a ton of money, a bunch of different ways in your business. But i tell you in, in 2020, um, the, yeah, I, I really think going back to some of my early concepts, a lot of us are down, a lot of us want to rebuild our businesses and we're going to do it to just claw back, um. You know, business just isn't going to snap back organically when a bar in Georgia opens at 100% capacity because our current client base isn't going to have that organic economic activity to bring us back to where we were eight or 10 months ago. We're going to have to go outside. And a lot of things we're talking about here today, let's build a mode of protection around our business, but let's also start to lay the groundwork with our marketing efforts to go get more as, as we head into the next, uh, uh, the next year. So, you know, here we kind of have, um, you know, the, the, the sliding scale of cost, you know, Dave talked about Madison Avenue, you know, the external agency, which is kind of the local agency, the regional agency for a lot of us. Um, some of us run internal marketing teams and then, and then kind of the fractional model that Dave talked about. Dave, what what are some of your thoughts you have as, as we, uh, as we look at the pros and cons of each, Well, some of you may use these models, right? You, you guys, you know, everyone here uses one of these four models. What what do you kind of think, Dave?
1: Um, ultimately... Um, unless you're a, a real heavy hitter, the NYC ad agency, whether you're in, uh, you know, Chicago, LA, uh, Boston, New York, uh, they are really, you know, lots of capital, very stable, polished, uh, huge cost. And again, they're not usually very quick to respond unless you're a, a big client on a big retainer, uh, the external agency. Very good. Uh, Like the the local externals, um, but there's always a push-pull. They're not going to be as uh, immersed in your culture, your business, uh, understanding what it is you want. They may be a non-endemic. They may be outside of the space, not have had any experience with background screening or uh, background intelligence of any kind. So there can be an adoption curve that they have to come up on. Uh, Internal marketing team, much faster and greater response. But a lot of times uh, folks may not, uh, smaller shops especially, may not have uh, the desire for the extra payroll, uh, the benefits, uh, the taxes, et cetera. Uh, So there is is a limit there uh, sometimes. Uh, I enjoy the fractional CMO model. There's also a limitation with that. Um, I do get very involved with my clients. Um, They know me very well. I know them very well. I'm neck deep in their business, and that allows me to understand better and produce better results for them. So ultimately, I try to set things up such that they are very automated, uh, and, and, and people only need to call on me as needed, therefore not incurring uh, additional ongoing expenses. Now with Securitech, they said, "What would it cost for you to just be our guy?" Pretty much, and so uh, we worked out an arrangement where it was it was almost exclusive, not completely, but uh, it was a, it was a good and, and beneficial relationship. So, really, unless you're a big uh, a big player, one of the three bottom ones is probably going to wind up being uh, not, options two, three, or four is going to wind up being the the solution.
0: Yeah, you know, the, the, those are those are some good pros and cons, and I, I see a couple of them. Uh, when I was inside of a, a, a CRA, one of the largest agencies in the world was a client of mine. Um, you know, so you get to kind of take that look. What's that global, um, that global agency model look like with a hundred different shops, you know, all across the country? Um, the in- internal team inside of the CRA, you know, that's a, another nice option. But you know, most. Most marketers who don't go the agency route, they tend to seek out the larger corporate opportunities. So, across our whole space, there just isn't as much talent that naturally gravitates toward the background check industry. Doesn't mean those of us, you know, even listening today in these roles are ineffective. It just means that there's there's not enough of us to to go around. Um, you know, that that fractional model, the white label behind the scenes solution, and. and um, Dave doesn't know I'm going to say this, but I've, I've used similar, similar models for other clients in the past just works well, it's not a ton of money, you tend to get a lot of bang for your buck on those those limited engagements. You know, one thing, Dave, that, that we didn't really mention is and if we were to add a fifth here, there's the do it yourself. Right? A lot of us at the, the midsize shop and below. Uh, we walk into the office every morning we say to ourselves what hat am I gonna wear are we wearing the marketing hat are we wearing the sales hat today we were in the compliance hat today two people are out sick I guess no today I'm wearing the production hat um, you, you know I, I think a lot about those those people um, who are who are like like you say for your business you know you're the the head cook and chief bottle
1: washer yeah yep yeah um,
0: and that's yeah. not, and, and
1: you know, the, it's the rare individual that, 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 one that's not there, uh, the do it yourself or the DIY, it's the rare individual that can, that can pull that off, but there are some out there. Um, but, but more often than not, it's, uh, it, it, it's best to steer clear of that, that option. And that's, I think why we didn't put it on there.
0: Okay. Well, let's, we, we got a couple, um, Um, let's look through our summary. And I know we got a couple questions not only that came in today, but uh, from people that pinged us before the webinar. Um, Hey, you know, what's the 2021 landscape look like? It's it's gonna get better, but it's not gonna get great. The organic activity from our current client base is not going to be enough to get us back to where we were six, eight, 10 months ago. We have to go out and get new clients. People are gonna come after you too, right? Everybody's got the same idea. So how do we build that moat around our current client base? How do we start to lay the groundwork through, through our marketing, through some of the things that Dave's talking about, right? You know, there are lead generation campaigns we can use to develop more leads. There are techniques that we can use inside of our, our marketing materials, the rhetoric that we use, the collateral that we create that shows clients that we're the answer for them, you know, that we're not like everybody else. We're solving a different problem than our competitors are talking about. Um, and 2021 is going to be a year a lot of us are fighting. Um, common mistakes in, in our marketing. You know, are we measuring the wrong things? Are we steering our ship in the, in the wrong direction? The, the metric that matters, they've said, all the activity has to funnel down and be reflective in sales growth. If the cash register isn't ringing, then the marketing techniques that we're using aren't as effective. We can have a ton of clicks, a ton of likes, a ton of shares, but if it is not translating into conversions. It's not translating into new sales. Then we need to back up and, and adjust accordingly. Typical relationships. Hey, sales and marketing, you, you got to get along, right? And sometimes it's as simple as from a leadership level, as managers, as owners of businesses, we need to get adults in the room and tell them to get along with each other. It sounds like it doesn't need to be said, but sometimes it does. And the reason I mention it is, as we you know kind of wrap up that concept, we're spending a lot of money. And- a lot of times spending a lot of making if you're spending a lot of money is okay. If you're making a lot more because of it, but if we're spending a lot of money and we're not making it because people can't get along then we're moving in the wrong direction. Um, and then the last thing, Dave, kind of like a, like an Apple presentation, one more thing, um, yeah. something that we, we wanted to share that, that we hadn't talked about yet.
1: Well, I, I, I thought it was important when, when, when you mentioned it is that, um, I am a big, huge, massive proponent of video. Uh, I am, I, I'm an, I'm an exclusive cinematographer for Getty Images. And I'm one of those people that uh, I, I hate most marketing videos that I see. Uh, I, I, I don't like them. Uh, they don't have any production value. They're not compelling. They're not moving. But in the world that we're living in now, if you don't have some type of a video presence out there that is selling for you 24-7, 365, and more importantly, if you don't have a compelling video out there, and I'm not talking about something that's going to break the bank. I'm talking about something that is helping you own that one problem that is really going to emotionally resonate with that prospect and say, these are the people that can solve my problem, then you're really missing out. We're all becoming more attuned to video. We're all becoming more attuned to Zoom calls. We really are very much digesting and consuming every Everything video. Now I know Kevin's a reader. Um, he will read copy. I will push a button and watch it and listen to it before I'll read it. So uh, you, you have a webinar that has two distinct perspectives here, but that is that is my one magic bullet. And if I were ever to make, uh, and, and as a matter of fact, video plays a component in the lead generation system that's been so successful that I mentioned earlier on too. So um, I have a good basis for my, for, for my assertion
0: hey Dave um, you know can I'd like to tackle a question someone pinged me with before the um, before the webinar and and by the way as the questions kind of come in Dave and I are reading some of the questions and, and through our answers we're trying to speak to some of it even though we're not highlighting hey we got a question from um, you know we're trying to to kind of for that person that asked the question answered it but uh, Dave you know one, one thing that we talked about beforehand or we saw the question come in um, what marketing techniques, you know, might've been real, real good five, 10, 15 years ago that you just don't see gaining much traction today.
1: You know, honestly, uh, social media had a whole lot more room to run. Uh, it seemed, uh, 15 years ago than it does now, uh, with the, uh, with the native reaches being scaled back so greatly. Uh, I know you and I had talked about this and, uh, you're, uh, uh, your, your wife had uh, had we, we were talking about whether she would uh, identify with the fact that native reach now, if you have a population of a thousand on uh, on Facebook, your native reach is somewhere, depending on how many how, how your audience has responded uh, historically is somewhere between two and five percent. So without spending money, you're reaching, Fewer and fewer people. Of course, they're publicly traded companies and they're in business to make money, just like we all are. But what was a much greater reach then is, 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 is far less now.
0: And it's too crowded.
1: Yeah, and it's very crowded. And I will say this, I will not advocate for anything that's not quantifiable. If you can't show me where it came from and whether it converted or not. That's not an approach that i'm going to advocate so you know unless you're just into throwing money out there to build your brand build your 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 awareness among a population then okay that's that that's that's your choice but from a true marketing and advertising perspective there has to be some sort of trigger there has to be some sort of means by which to quantify is this working? Isn't it working? If it isn't, let's croak off what's not working. And if it is, let's dump more money and capital into the things that are working. That's how you maximize an ad spend.
0: So Dave, and um, uh, again, thanks you know, to all of us that can still hang on for a couple more minutes. Um, but you know, another thing, I'll kind of combine a couple questions that, that we got here. Um, you know, for, for the smaller shops, you know, the, the do-it-yourselfers, that business owner has got to decide which hat am I wearing today? Where am I going to spend my money? Um, if I can kind of pick one, right. Hire a salesperson or run a marketing campaign. Um, and and this isn't a pitch right for anything that, that you're doing. Um, but if I got to pick one, what, what, what am I doing? Am I, am I creating?
1: I mean, if you got a chance to bring on a good salesperson, um, and they know the space, they're not going to take a lot of time to come up on the curve. You're not going to have to do a lot of additional training if you if you stole one from your competitor or you had one just knock on your door. Yeah, take the salesperson uh, all day every day. Um, you know, because a good salesperson, I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm cutting my own throat here as a marketer. A good salesperson is also a good marketer. They're presenting a good version of you and your business out there to those prospects. They are the forward facing client facing uh manifestation of your business so I, I would have to say as a business owner yeah get, give me a salesperson over a marketer any day of the week oh, i can't believe i just said that that's so awful no
0: i, I, I like how you tied that together because my best answer and i I, w- I didn't know how you would answer that right my best answer would have been i don't know um and and it would have been a good answer because what would have spawned from that is is a dialogue and a discussion around all right what kind of person is it somebody that you know they've done sales for two years is it somebody that's sold in our space for 15 years you know what's the level of support that they need what's the level of education that they need um there are some set it and forget it benefits of you know some of the lead generation you know programs that you've talked about the the barking dog example you know they paid 36 grand you know well what did they get well they got a really good lead generation program that kind of ran on autopilot That $36 marketing program or $36,000 market dollar marketing program you created for them generated a half million dollars in business. That's what they got out of it. Um, but, but uh, you know, kind of back to the sales thing, right? I, I do agree if they're a seasoned sales rep and they can hit the ground running like that, that's a good path to follow. If you're handing them a lead list and telling them to cold call, well, that's not a good, that's not a good program. You know, maybe it's a blend of sales and marketing. Um, so that, that, that was a, a real interesting perspective. And, you know, oftentimes it, it just depends.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, any final thoughts before we let everybody go? Um,
1: no, I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful for everybody that came. Uh, I hope it wasn't too disjointed and that uh, uh, my, 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 stream of thought was uh, understandable. And for any questions that we didn't get to today, we'll, we will certainly uh, follow up with answers.
0: Yep, absolutely. Ping us. Our contact info is here. We'll have copies of the recording. Um, I'll post this on, on Background Check Radio. Um, we'll send this out to anybody who, who wants it as a follow-up. Again, thank you everyone for your time and have a great afternoon. Take care.
1: Thanks everyone.